Welcome to The Greek Current, a podcast by Halk and Kathy Merini. I'm your host, Thanos Davelis. With election season in full swing, Greece's politicians are trying to engage with a group of voters that may not have received their full attention in the past, young voters. We've seen political leaders take to TikTok, speak to YouTubers, and create content targeting this specific block of voters. Given this emphasis on winning the youth vote, Nikos Efsathiou, the deputy editor-in-chief at the weekly magazine LIFO and a former journalist with Kathy Merini, joins me to look into what young Greeks are looking for in these upcoming elections. Nico, great to have you back on The Greek Current. Thank you so much, Fanos, for having me, especially for a topic that I really care about. Nico, recently we've seen both Prime Minister Mitsotakis and former Prime Minister and opposition leader Alexis Tsipras try to speak directly to young voters. How important is this step by Greece's political leaders? Thank you, Fano. So I think, yeah, there's been a clear attempt to communicate to younger audiences through what we would call non-traditional channels. I think in this case, the most high-profile cases were two interviews to female YouTubers with a lot of viral content, one by Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis to Nefeli Meg, and one by Alexis Tsipras to Zoe Pri. There were different attitudes, if you will, in these interviews, Nefeli's being slightly more politically oriented and the latter being more casual profiling or more social interview, if you will. But I'd say both are things we rarely see political leaders to expose themselves outside of, um, you know, traditional press interviews or TV interviews. And I think this is incredibly important on many levels. On a first level, of course, it's very important as a pre-election strategy to communicate to young voters, you know, speaking to audiences that belong in the millennial, but mostly Gen Z demographic groups of Greece. I have to tell you, there's roughly half a million young Greeks that will be eligible to vote for the first time in these elections. So it's necessary to engage with these audiences in the election season. But I think on a secondary level, it's symbolic and very important to talk to younger people because they are symbolic of a lot of the political priorities that Greece should have. When we talk about young people, be it millennials or Gen Zers in different ways, I think it's fair to say they've both had a difficult experience that has shaped their political identity with disillusionment. You know, millennials being the generation that entered the workforce in the years of the crisis and the big austerity, the political polarization and almost a collapse of the economic and political landscape in Greece. And Gen Z is coming out to vote, a lot of them for the first time after the pandemic, which was a very influential event, but also the traumatic accident, the deadly collision in Tempe, which really resonated with this generation. And lastly, I have to say it's very important to directly talk to this generation and to engage with it consistently in the hope to increase turnout. I have to tell you, Greece has had uh, almost 50% abstention in uh, some of the last elections. This is a trend that's been escalating in uh, in recent years and seems unstoppable. So I think it's very important to make sure that especially young people make it to the polls and stay civically engaged throughout in political life in Greece. Do you think that these steps that we've seen go far enough? And what do you think that young voters are looking for from Greece's leaders? And maybe this question is one that looks beyond the upcoming elections. Yeah, I think it does. And I have to tell you, it's difficult to see this attempt as more than an election ploy, specifically because it's happening just now before elections. And I don't really see an attempt in Greece to to keep young people engaged in politics, especially outside of just party mechanisms, and to discuss with them in a meaningful and consistent way. If we look at young people are looking for from Greece's leaders, I would say if we were to generally profile this generation, it follows the global trend of social openness or liberalism. But specifically in Greece, it's a generation that cares a lot about the economy. And I think in it, you see embedded a lot of Greece's big questions. When we talk about labor conditions or the minimum wage debate right now, this is something that really resonates with them. This is a very underpaid generation and financially weakened, specifically compared to previous generations. The second aspect of that, definitely affordable housing, a major problem, especially in Athens. 
both of those, I think, have the question of tourism in them. You know, how do we make this industry sustainable and also not the only weapon in Greece's sort of toolkit in order to develop and grow its economy. It's also generations that care about the environment, digitization, opportunities, about education, and certainly about Greece catching up to the future. I'd also say that in Greece, these are generations that are majorly underrepresented in the political system, in media or in positions of power. Whatever you may think of AOC, for example, or politicians like that in the US, this is something you don't really see in Greece. So this might be largely because of Greece's aging population. But in general, I think it was a very important step to try to talk to younger people. But what I will say about, because you're right, that I thought it didn't really go far enough. It's not just the consistency. I would say that in both leaders' case in these interviews, I didn't really see an attempt by them to take these points seriously and have a political discussion on equal terms with young people. I would say in the prime minister's case, in some cases, he was called out with facts that he denied. <laughs> and there was a general patronizing attitude towards the interviewer. And in Alexis Tsipras's case, I also think it was an opportunity to talk about important generational questions. And the result was very much a social casual interview, if you will, with no hard pressing questions. So I think young people, to answer your question, what they're looking for from young Greece's leaders is accountability and direct and consistent dialogue and not just this sort of opportunistic attention that they're giving just because it's pre-election season. Since we're talking about the election, Nico, what do the polls tell us about this block of voters? It's a very interesting question, and I think it's it hasn't been discussed enough because you see a very radically different picture there compared to the average of the polls. And it's important to distinguish between Gen Zers and Millennials because you see different trends there. But let's look at them one by one. So for both groups, Syriza ranks first for Millennials with 23.3% on average and for Gen Zers with 19.5%. And for both generations, the second party is new democracy. But here, the percentages are radically different. So for millennials, it's a very close race with 22.6% expressing a willingness to support new democracy. But Gen Z is only 13% are gravitating towards the governing party. Where things get even more interesting is if you look at the third party that these age groups are supporting. So for Gen Zers, with a very close percentage of 12.9%, it's DM25, Meta25, Yanis Varoufakis's party. Whereas for the millennial group, it's Basok with a percentage that gravitates towards 9%. Support for smaller parties in general, I have to tell you, is higher across the board. And we also see incredibly high percentages compared to the average when it comes to the undecided blocks or people expressing a willingness to not participate or throw in the white blanket vote. Where for these groups, it gravitates between 15% for the undecided vote and 6 to 7% for people saying that they don't care for, to vote for anybody really. So this is sort of the general picture that we are seeing right now in the landscape. I'd say a very important question here is getting these generations to the polls and making sure that they do vote. Because as I told you, a major concern is voter turnout percentages that we've been seeing, specifically because the election is happening in the summer. And a lot of young people work in the tourism sector as well. I'd be very happy to see some employers allowing or facilitating young people to vote as well. And an effort by all parties to appeal to young voters and uh, ask them to vote regardless of the outcome of their vote. You bring up the question of turnout. And over the last couple of months, we've seen young voters really mobilized to make their voices heard. And this comes following the tragic train crash at Denby at the end of February. Do you think that this has created a kind of perfect storm together with the financial crisis and the pandemic for young voters to turn out? I think the choice of word perfect storm is is great in this case because, yes, on the one hand, it is an opportunity because you have a generation that I think is very often misunderstood for being apolitical. 
I don't think that's true. You know, young people more than previous generations have exposure to political events or to political takes through the internet, overexposure, I would say. So there is an opportunity and all of these events have created a situation for young people to be civically engaged. But it's also a perfect storm because the conditions are such that the anti-systemic bloc could also be very much empowered. This is sort of a consequence of what I mentioned before, which is this lack of civic engagement throughout political life increase, not just pre-election. And I'd say young voters are disillusioned across the board from my conversations with them. They want to be civically engaged, but they don't really see pathways for it. I have to tell you and focus on one thing in particular that I found very interesting. So for Gen Zers, almost 5% express a potential vote for Casadiales' party, for a former Golden Dawn member. Percentages for the millennial group are lower, maybe because their political memory resonates with them, remembering what Golden Dawn did in these years. But I'd say this points to a potential risk that when younger voters are not engaged, they can fall prone to very extremist ideology, something we don't want. So I think there is an opportunity to keep younger voters engaged and younger people engaged in Greece in general. And it's sort of something that the political system has to really think about if we want to create a pathway for Greece's future across the board. Nico, during the crisis, a large number of young Greeks left the country. And a key issue facing Greece is the demographic question. And reversing this brain drain is part of the solution. How are the political parties speaking to this generation? So I think it's important to talk about brain drain with a generational dimension. But there's two different sort of groups here. One is the generation that left. And, you know, the political system here wants to create the conditions to bring them back. And in this front, I'd say there's some things that happened in these uh, past four years that are important to point out. One that's very recent is that external voting was facilitated for the first time. So, you know, Greek uh, brain drainers that live abroad previously would have to take a flight to go back to Greece to participate in elections. Now, the option to vote from abroad has been facilitated for the first time. So it's important to see that they are civically and politically engaged. This was something I was very critical of before. And on a secondary level, I think a lot of attempts to create tax incentives to bring back young, talented people, or this general attempt to use the opportunity of working from home to lure back some Greeks that want to keep their jobs abroad but want to live in Greece. You know, these are things that we've been seeing. But to create the conditions to bring back Greeks, I think what I hear from a lot of people from my network that live abroad, but also see in surveys consistently, is that it's not just about creating economic opportunity. There seems to be a sense of a lack of meritocracy in Greece and of young people being taken seriously in uh, positions of power. It goes back to what I was telling you before about a massive underrepresentation of this generation across the board. So these are things that need to be fixed. But the second group is keeping the generation that is behind and making sure that they thrive, that they don't want to seek opportunities abroad, but also that they you know, have the tools to create a good and prolific life. We see, as you mentioned before, we have a a very important demographic problem as well. And the birth rate is really low. This is because financially conditions are really hard for young people. Housing is a big part of it. Access to loans are a big part of it. So these are all things that I think parties should take really seriously, not just to appeal to young voters, but to make sure that, you know, these countries, young people have a pathway to the future. And to conclude this point, I have to tell you a very interesting phenomenon in Greece where we talk about young people, I think, in public discourse, we tend to open up the category a little bit, sometimes include even 45-year-olds, specifically because we have a big generation that hasn't really been financially independent because of these consistent financial troubles that Greece has had. And the outlook, though better now than the previous decade, is still very difficult for a lot of people that belong in these generations. 
Nico, it's been great speaking with you as always. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Thanos, for having me again. In other news, with elections looming, Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis unveiled a five-pronged plan for the next four years on Wednesday. The plan covers tax and economic issues, the country's critical infrastructure, improving the health system, strengthening public education, accelerating digitization of the state's public services, and adjusting the time to issue judicial decisions to the European average. Also on the agenda are the constitutional revision allowing the creation of non-state universities, evaluation everywhere in the wider public sector, productivity bonuses and training programs for 400,000 civil servants, and mechanisms for the prevention and combating of violence against women. Finally, S&P Global Ratings has revised the outlook for Bank of Cyprus to positive from stable, setting the easing of funding risks, a diversified business model, and substantial progress in de-risking its balance sheet. Our ratings on the bank reflect its market-leading franchise in the country, benefiting from a diversified business model and the substantial progress that has been made in reducing its stock of legacy non-performing loans over the last half decade, S&P added, noting that at the same time, the Bank of Cyprus has improved its capitalization on the back of easing economic risks and the offloading of highly risk-weighted assets, which should provide a buffer to absorb some expected asset quality deterioration. That wraps up today's episode of The Greek Current. Thanks for tuning in.